Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Our teaching today comes from 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the 11th verse, 1 Corinthians. And today I want to teach about the maturity of the Spirit. The maturity of the Spirit. The maturity of the Spirit. We want to have a conversation on what it's like to be mature in the spirit realm and what that will do in your life. Hallelujah. Paul says, uh-huh, let's go. When I was a child, uh-huh, I spoke as a child and stood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, he said, I put away childish things. He said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. And I thought as a child. When I became a man, when I matured, he said, I put away childish things. This is a man affirming an experience that he had in his journey of destiny. Important for me to read from this portion of scripture because if you ever want to judge a person's spiritual maturity, these are the three things you look at. How they think, how they understand, and how they speak what they speak, what they understand, what they think. That's how we judge maturity. We don't judge maturity based on our gifts. We don't judge maturity based on our credentials. We don't judge maturity even by age. The Bible says that the hoary head, a head which is of gray hair, is a crown of glory, but he gave a condition. If it be found in the way of righteousness, if it ages in righteousness, which is not just enough to have gray hair. It's important that as you age, gray hair comes on your head. Although some of you have gray hair, even though you're not old. But a hoary head, he said, is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. In other words, you must age in righteousness to carry a crown of glory. What is a crown of glory? Crown of glory defines the circle of your influence. The circle of your influence. Never forget that. Physically, if somebody was to look at you physically, they might not be able to discern you as an individual until they have the optics of the spirit to see you as you are spiritual. The Bible says we regard no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. Every man in the world 
has a defined crown of glory. And that's the circumference of your influence. And there are principles by the Bible that can help you extend this influence. The Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. Your study, the Hebrew word there for issues of life, you'll find it is translated as the boundaries of life. The boundaries of life. So he says, guard your heart, for out of it are the boundaries of your life. Of, of, of your life. In other words, whatever you do in your heart defines the borders of your dealings in this world. Where your heart is defines the power and grace operating on your life to influence the world. That's why you guard it. Because if you corrupt it, if you conflict with the positioning of your heart, chances are you'll affect the anointing operating on your life for influence. You don't need to be famous. You have to be great if you are a child of God. And greatness is in the influence, the crown that God has placed on your life. The world might not see it. You might not be on television or radio. That doesn't mean that you don't have your influence. Wherever you are, that crown extends. There are principles, like I said, laid down in scripture for you to be able to expand your crown of influence. The Bible speaks of Jesus Christ and says, fame went ahead of him. His fame went beyond him. His name, the Bible says, preceded him. You know what that means? It means that Jesus, even where he was not, he was spoken of. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 4.14. He says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the regions about. There was a voice that went speaking his name and introducing him right. Because it's important how you're introduced in every realm you enter. In every realm you enter. It defines how the world yields its fruit and substance to you. You remember when Cain killed Abel? God told him that the earth will not yield her strength to you anymore. And he told him that a fugitive and a vagabond you shall be in the earth. The earth will not yield forth its strength to you. You shall be a vagabond and a fugitive on the earth. Why? Because he had broken spiritual protocol. This world can respond to you so kindly. This earth you're walking on can respond to you so generously. God can position people everywhere you go to advance you, advantage you, to add to you and not take away. There is a grace that God can put on your life to keep you away from terror, to keep you away from violence, to keep you away from the wicked and the unreasonable, to keep you away from mean men. The Bible says, Seest thou a man diligent in his work, for that man shall stand before kings and not before mean men. In other words, every time you stand before a man, even if he's mean, something will mantle him to advantage you. Somebody say it is possible. So there's a principle. He has spoken about diligence of the spirit. If a man is diligent in the spirit, you expand your crown. If you're prudent in the spirit, you expand your crown. If you understand the positionings of the spirit, you expand your crown. There are many things you can do, but eventually nobody should introduce themselves 
There has to be something on your life to introduce you. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's more important when something introduces you, when there is a voice, there's a frequency, there's a vibration that speaks of what is on your life and introduces it to others even before you say a thing. Rabbi says, you are a written epistle, known and read by all men. You are a written epistle, known and read by all men. Known and read by all men. It's important how men read you. How are you a Christian and somebody finds you and you look like you're a thief? You're born again, but when people find you, you look broke. You look like you can't pay. You look like you're complicated. How can you look complicated? How can you carry a countenance in the spirit of a complicated being? Do you know some of you miss some of the greatest opportunities God has slated on your life because your countenance speaks different. You don't know how to introduce yourself right. In the gospel, you either revive or offend. You can't have the middle. That is political. Praise the Lord. Either you offend by the anointing on your life or revive. But one of those two must work. Somebody shout amen. Shout glory to God. When we are born again, we're babies. Like earthly children. Bible says like babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow therein. So all of us have a process of maturation. We go through stages, phases, we go through things. And all of these things are shaping us to maturity. But what's the end of this maturity if you ask yourself intricately? What is the end of this maturity? Why does God want to mature you? I know that you know it's important for you to mature. But why does God want you to mature? Okay, let's look at your earthly parents. Why do they want you to grow up? Because they know that one day they will not be here. They have an expiry date. And because they know that one day when they're not here, they need somebody who is responsible enough to stand in their stead and take the responsibility of preserving the posterity of your household. That is why they want you mature. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 verses 1, it says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, deferreth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. In other words, he's giving us a picture of a person who is Lord of all. He carries an inheritance, but because he's a child, the Bible says he deferreth not from a servant, but he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed by the Father. He's saying, that every phase, every step of growing you is to the intent that you'll have the full privilege of enjoying every inheritance that he has given you in Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians that the eyes of your understanding should be flooded with light that you will know, one, what is the hope of your calling? What are the glorious riches of the inheritance of the saints? It's something we call the inheritance of the saints. When you became Born again, the Bible says you were begotten to an inheritance incorruptible. That is part of yours. God gave it to you when you became born again. But it's not automatic that that inheritance will manifest in your life. It's not automatic that that inheritance will be a part of you and will show forth and will benefit or profit your life. Many people know that place of inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, are fed not away. But many of them don't know how that inheritance is translated to function on your advantage. Are you following what I'm saying? 
We've been blessed, the Bible says, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. All of this is inheritance, but not many of us have the opportunity to walk, to carry the manifestation and the full experience and privileges that come with the inheritance that has been given to us by God in Christ. And he's saying the missing link here is maturity. Why? Because even though I have bought you a car, it doesn't mean that you're mature enough to drive it. You get it? If you bought your two-year-old a Benz, can a two-year-old operate a car? No. So you expect to give it to another person to drive them, even though it's their car, they cannot drive it. They cannot go where they want with their car except they have somebody who is instructing that car. So it is with inheritance. Some of you, it's not that God has not given you. It's just that you are not yet mature for what you're asking for. And now because of that, you are walking every day with what I call frustrated potential. What is frustrated potential? When you know that you know that you know that what you have inside is bigger than what you can manifest. There is nothing as painful as a conflicted world there is nothing as painful as potential frustrating to know that you can, but you don't have the ability to translate that to show the world that I actually can. To know that inside there, you carry all the power, ability, and credibility to do what must be done by God, but it's not translated. You seem like there is a veil on your life. You seem like you're a candle that is lit, but is hid under a bushel. You look like somebody who has all the potential in the world, but you're caved in and hidden. And because you don't understand the process of maturation, some of you make the mistake to want to break out early, to want to fight yourself into, to manipulate systems, to manipulate the process that God has laid before you to make sure you find your way. And therein is the spirit of falsehood. Therein is the spirit of indifference. Therein is the spirit of immaturity that is lurking in the world, as you can see, especially with people who think that maturity equals to the function of gifts. As gifted as you are, so we think, then our maturation is. Let me tell you something. We have levels as individuals. And I've said this before, that beyond your revelatory faculties, the things that your eyes and ears can design and understand, deeper than your giftings and talents and skills, there is a core that defines you beyond what can come out of you by gift and talent. That core cannot come out until you have a certain consecration, a certain dealing. That's a journey that you don't carry. Any, that is something you, you learn to walk alone. It's not something that somebody can take you to. I can point you to it, but you have to take that step. That kind of inheritance is not something that automatically works in your life and validates what's on you because God has already given it to you by Christ. That is something that you know you have to learn to reach out to, to lambano, to katalambano, to reach out and take a hold of. It is something your spirit must know how to receive and grasp. But it's hard to explain to people whose spirits in growing were not educated because the doctrines that we teach in church do not educate spirits. So because the spirits are not educated, we can't design what we must design and how we must design it. We don't see things with the right vision. Because it's one thing to see, it's another to see with the right vision. 
Some of you think it's the same thing. It is not the same thing. Heaven can cast a vision on you, but it's another thing how that vision appears to you in positioning and purpose, in function, mandate, and assignment. It's expedient for you to see things right. Jesus walks to a blind man and he lays hands on him. That man's eyes open. The man's eyes open. Man says, I see men as trees. His eyes were open. But he was in a wrong realm of vision. Can Jesus make a mistake? Did Jesus error? Was his prayer incomplete? No. I believe this is something that he allowed for your learning. The Bible says these things are written for, for your learning. For your learning. Because remember, John says there are many things Jesus did that if they were to be written, if they were to be written, everyone, I suppose, even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. In other words, there are many things that were left out in writing. And there are things deliberate by the Spirit of God that were preserved in writing for your learning. God wanted to teach you something that a man's eye can open, but open in a wrong world, in a wrong realm. And that man would have a wrong vision of things. That means that the eyes are not open. It just means that they see not as they ought to see. And what did Jesus do? He laid hands on the man again. The Bible says when he laid hands on him, the Bible says he was restored and saw every man clean. Some people at the onset of laying hands on them, at the onset of prayer, their eyes were open to seeing men as trees and they walked back with that vision. It's more than seeing, it is what you see. That is what maturity teaches you. Maturity teaches you to see right. Maturity teaches you to estimate things right. The Bible says that where knowledge and judgment is, you examine the things most excellent because in there, you are required as a minister to be accountable of how things are judged and in the knowledge in which you function. The Bible says that you might be without offense till the day of Christ. Philippians 1.9. He says, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more in knowledge and in all judgment. 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 The spirit that sees things right in whatever you know. In there, the Bible says, you'll approve what is excellent. In other words, you mark what's excellent. You examine what's excellent. You have the right perception about what's excellent. Because many people have a different understanding of excellence. We carry order and traditions with men and then we lose the order of the spirit as God has ordained it. And we do certain things before others. And we come out of tandem with God's timing. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've always told you, once you're out of the timing of God, you can always design it. Why? Because things don't happen in the time you expect them to happen. That's a conflicted world. That's a conflicted world. The Bible says to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the sun. Something should not happen out of a certain timing. Things should not happen out before or after season. That's a corrupted world. And there are many people who live in that world. Things come either late or early. The journey God has ordained you for is a journey that should bring things at the time when you need them. Somebody say that is mine. In Jesus' name. Can we continue? So here we have an example of an heir who carries an inheritance. The Bible says he deferreth nothing from a servant. 
even though he is Lord of all, he carries an inheritance that is still a child. It's yours, but you are too young for it. And if you carry no bearing of true judgment because you can never truly judge the self, and this is true, by the way, you study scripture, no man can have the right optics of themselves because self can never truly judge self right. It can never happen, not in any realm. That is why in Hebrews 13, he speaks of they which rule over you, have the rule over you in the spirit. Even if you are a prophet or an apostle like me or anybody else, the Bible says there are people whom God has given rule over you. And that's how God has designed spiritual order or protocol. That there are people whom God will give you who are ahead of you for a certain purpose. For a certain purpose. They, are, they might not match your credentials. They might not match your expectations. They might not tick all your boxes. You might not agree with everything that they carry. But if God has given you a voice and said, that is the voice I've given you, even in its weakness or strength, it is your voice. It's your guiding light and it's important. Read the Amplified Version of the same, Hebrews 13, 17. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and what? Submit to them. What is this thing called submitting? Submitting means that there will come a time where God will force you to listen to somebody. Because that person has an eye to judge you in places you're not able to judge. Because you can never see yourself 360. You cannot tell me you know what's on your back right now. Can you? You can't. So it is with the spirit realm. He says, continually recognizing the authority over you. Continually recognizing they are authority over you. For they are constantly keeping watch over you, your souls, and guiding your spiritual welfare as men who will have to render an account of their trust. Do your part to let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning, for that would not be profitable for you either. Some people are not profiting in the world either because they don't recognize anybody above them. Or if they do, they grieve who watches over them. No man in this world can watch over himself. It doesn't matter how prophetic you are. It doesn't matter how apostolic you are. It doesn't matter how pastoral you are. It doesn't matter how much theology you have on you. It doesn't matter how much theophany you carry. It doesn't matter how much gifting is on you. There is somebody in the world who guards your spiritual welfare. Guarding. The Bible says guarding your spiritual warfare. Guarding and constantly keeping watch. In other words, when that person prays, because of the jurisdiction God has approved of them, they have the right to watch over you. Now, whether you take that or not, it's up to you. I didn't write it. Blame Paul. You understand? The truth is, I know people whose destinies have been aborted because they did take one simple sentence. Don't go. When it came from the right person. When it came from their guiding light. When it came from their spiritual guide, spiritual authority. Who told them don't do this? And they did it. And everything is out of line. Everything has fallen out of order. The world that they're living in is already corrupted, sinking, conflicted. They come out of one problem out of another because they cannot profit. And this kind of thing cannot be corrected by a prayer on a mountain. It can only be corrected by maturing enough to submit under somebody. To listen to somebody. And you don't have to. But God has never used unsubmitted power. Read your Bible. 
even the Lord Jesus needed Simeon to speak into his destiny. He needed Joseph to instruct his days. Who are you? Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? So of course all of us have different backgrounds. We come from different places. So there are things that you can take. There are things you can't take. You are wild, you know. You're, you're raising a family that, you know, you talk to people like the way you want and stuff like that. But when you come in the church of Jesus Christ, there has to be some sort of order in the things of the Spirit. That is why when somebody comes to this ministry and tells me, Papa, I feel God is advising me to go and submit to somebody else. I tell them, as long as you submit to somebody else. The point is not you leaving. The point is find another cover. But be covered. Just be covered. Some of you don't know how much these clouds preserve you because you don't have a clue. Why? Because again, we have many instructors. We don't have many fathers. So you don't understand the eye of a matriarch or a patriarch. You can never understand the weight and responsibility of that. I'm not talking about somebody who, you know, exerts control over you and manipulates you. Eh? to take advantage of who you are. Some of you probably have been raised in ministries where you are spiritually abused and you hate any idea called submission. I'm not talking about those ones. By the way, some of you don't even know who instructors are. We confuse them. Who is an instructor, right? But I have seen by God that whether you know it or not, in this world there is a person who can open their mouth for 10 minutes and affect 20 years of your life. And that's how God has ordained life. You can believe me now or not. The day you find them, you will know. Some of you, your hearts are just not open to the order of God. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we learning something? So back to what I was trying to tell us here. That it's not that God has not given you this thing. Somebody says, Apostle, I'm a good preacher. I mean, I, even I know myself. When I open the Bible, I demystify, I see things in the Spirit. When I put chairs, people don't come to pray. When I switch on YouTube, people don't watch. More people should see me. Because I think I have what it takes. And let me tell you, in my earlier years of ministry, I met men who would demystify things. I met people who could unpack moving parts and my God, master the mathematics of scripture. But their brooks stayed still. They never moved anywhere in the spirit. They're the same old people, same old men. Even now, they have revelation or insight. But that's just one realm of vision. It's just one realm of vision. To see revelation in the world. It's just one realm of vision. That's not the complete experience of vision. That's just one. Revelational insight is just one of the many dimensions and facets of vision. And sometimes you want to tell this person, no, no, it's not enough just for you to be able to have vision in the world. There are other things that are supposed to undergird you. There are things God has to do in you that are deeper than just revelation or insight because even though you can't see things in the scripture, there are other places you ought to see. What's your vision of God? 
What's your vision of God? What's your vision of the world? How do you understand the spirit realm? What is your rank? You could have all this insight and that's beautiful. But where are you rank? Is your heart consecrated enough to handle the wealth that is already availed by God to you? Can your heart handle power? Can your heart handle influence? Are you ready? Are you really ready? So that it's not available for you, but examine yourself. Because I see people who want to skip that line and go to the next one. Like, remember the children of Israel? I call them silent instructions. Jesus said, "Tarry in Jerusalem until the Spirit is come. He said, when the Spirit is come, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uh-huh, and the uttermost parts of the world. He skipped one place there, a silent one. But the scriptures tell us that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem, the Bible says they all went to Antioch, where there was much teaching. Where there was much teaching. So when a man reads, being my witness in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the world, because we carry the infill of the Holy Spirit, we assume that therefore we are read by doctrine and teaching. No, there's another place also where God has to give you the right character of the Spirit. He has to tame and discipline your spirit to handle the anointing that you carry. That's what happened. These guys go in Antioch where there was much teaching and there is where they were first called Christians in Antioch. In Antioch. That's why you see this prophet Agabus who came all the way from Judea. He could only prophesy in part because from Jerusalem he went to Judea. He didn't go to Antioch. So he could only prophesy in part if you read Acts 21. Oh, he says, ah, that saith the Lord, the man that owns this God shall be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. Paul tells him, no. More than just being delivered into the hands of the Gentiles, I am even not only ready to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem. I'm ready to die. So your vision is in part. May God open your eyes to see the fool. You see, that's why when you go back where I was reading in 1 Corinthians, when you start from verses 9, he speaks of how we know in part and prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part is done away with. It's done away with. Then he says, when I was a child. When I was a child. When Paul says we know in part, he's not saying that he knows in part. He's trying to be all-inclusive. Praise the Lord Jesus. I mean, he is a master builder. A master builder cannot see in part. You can't lay the foundation in part and then say no man can lay any other foundation if you can affirm in your spirit that you saw the full picture. That's why he says, I'm accountable of no man's blood for I have revealed the full counsel of God. That's not a man who sees in part. That's a man who's trying to be all-inclusive. Brethren, let us stop being stubborn. That ain't mean that I'm stubborn. You know, like he said, brethren, let us stop talking. That ain't mean that you're the one talking. You're just trying to be all-inclusive. Are you learning something? So, so he says, but I have a good voice. I can sing. Apostle, I have good songs. 
And then I see people who don't sing well. And they're making very nice concerts. Or for my preacher friend, he says, I know men who can't even preach a quarter of what God has shown me. But they're feeling steady up. Because you think that God only sees your revelation or insight. He only sees your voice and your art. It's more than that. It's more than that. The Bible says, for the spirit that searches the heart knows the mind of God. Very powerful portion of scripture. The spirit that searches your heart knows the mind of God. The spirit of God that dwells inside you, that searches your heart. The Bible says in Jeremiah, I, the Lord, search the heart and try the reins to give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. I search the heart and try the reins. The Bible says the spirit of God that searches the heart knows the mind of God. He looks into your heart, but he knows what God is thinking. He says, for no man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit is of God. He examines you. He says, is she ready for marriage? Is she really ready? Does she think that because she dresses well and she has a nice job, therefore she's ready to handle a man? Oh yeah, don't say me about preaching real good. That's how the Americans say. <laughs> Listen, are you ready for the wealth you're saying I want? And you think you're going to confess yourself there? Confess, possess, confess. Oh, and you've done it for 20 years. You're confessing every day. And that's okay to confess. I'm not saying that I'm against the place of confession. I'm trying to say, there are things that examine you way deeper. There are things that examine you way deeper. And I'm not saying I'm against confession. I'm a good confessor too. But not everything I've confessed, I have yet seen the manifestation. But I'm speaking. Praise the Lord. But there are other things. There are other denominators. And all of this contribute to your maturity. Praise the Lord Jesus. So how you think matters. There are people I have met I've known them for 10 years and they still think the same way. The people I've known for 30 years, I saw them since I was growing and they still understand the same way and they still speak the same way. Nothing has changed about them. They are growing. They are just with a few fragments that, you know, the realm of stumbling men can be attached to. You know, there are things in the spirit you can stumble over. You know, you can walk on TV and watch something and then it comes in your spirit and gives you a revelation for Sunday or you read a book and then it stars you into some conference. That's not what God is doing in you. These are just fragments your brain can connect and because perhaps you have enough intellect to, you know, reconcile things and carry their language. That doesn't mean that God has really dealt with you. Paul says, I'll not speak some of the things which Christ has wrought by me, mean me, to make the Gentile obedient in word and deed. It's more than what I'm reading or borrowing. I have to be able to get those things and allow them to work in my spirit. Every man is where they are supposed to be. Every man is where they are supposed to be. Never be deceived. 
they have the choice to outgrow and throw away childish things or take offense. And all of us are where we're supposed to be. God is no author of confusion and he doesn't make mistakes. Are you following what I'm saying? You're where you're supposed to be financially. As in your dealing. They mean that God hasn't blessed you. But you as a result of the seeds you've sowed over the earth. For as long as the earth remaineth seed and harvest. Summer and winter you have no control over. Cold and heat you have no control over. Day and night you have no control over. But you have control over seed time. You might not control when the sun comes up tomorrow. But you have control over seed time. So whatever you're sowing now will reflect in tomorrow's day. It will speak in your summer. It will introduce you in the heat. Somebody shout amen. It's important to speak right, to think right and to understand right because without that you cannot connect to the inheritance God has prepared for you. I was reading Numbers 27 verses 7. You know in Jewish culture, in the Torah, in scripture actually, the Old Testament, you remember if you've read, Moses taught that usually women did not carry inheritance where there were male children or children born to that male. That if a man died and he had one boy and three girls and probably that boy had died, usually they would look for maybe if the boy had boys and then they would extend that inheritance to the boy. Usually ladies or women never had, right, inheritance. But it was a time the group of daughters of Zelophehad pleaded their case before God and before Moses. And the Bible says in Numbers 27 verse 7, it says the daughters of Zelophehad speak right. They speak right. They spoke right. And it says, Thou shalt surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren, and thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. God literally instructed Moses to agree with their plea because they had stated their case right. They knew how to speak. And when they brought their cause and spoke right, even where the inheritance would bypass them and look for another male in the family lineage, God told Moses, they're speaking right. They must have their inheritance. They received what was not originally ordained for women to take because they knew how to speak. Let me tell you something. If you know how to speak, if you know how to think right, if you understand things the way you're supposed to understand, you can even cause God to change your age and advantage you even in places. Listen, the first miracle was not in the will of God. If you remember when Mary says they're out of wine, Jesus tells her, woman, what do you want with me for knowest not thou that it's not hey, King James. Don't you know that it's not yet my time? This is God telling Mary, it is not my hour to do miracles. But she had a certain understanding. She had a certain thought process. And she had a certain language. She just stands to the servants and tell them, whatever he tells you to do, do. In other words, I'm not taking this. You suckled my breast, I raised you. I know who you are. They want wine, even though it's not yet God's time, you will make it. And the first miracle happened. Out of God's timing, but because a woman knew how to speak right. God owns the world. God can change his mind. Ah, apostle. Yes. He sent a prophet and told him, go to Hezekiah and tell him to put his house in order. I am taking him. That's my mind. 
concerning Hezekiah. And the man turned to the Lord. The Bible says he turned to the Lord. He turned to the Lord. The Bible says he turned to the Lord. And he pleaded his case. And the Bible tells us, before the prophet reaches the middle of the house, the same God that sent him, called him back and tell him, hey, hey, hey. The man has pleaded the case. I changed my mind. Go and tell him I have added him 15 years. That is God. There is no age you can't change. There is no destiny you can't change. You can learn to speak right. If this thing changes, if your understanding comes out, there are things, even if you were meant for one way and you're judged one way, God can turn things around and realign and redesign your destiny again. If you learn to think right, if you understand things the way you are supposed to understand them, and if you learn to speak right, if you get the right language, you can win the heart of God. It is possible. Shout hallelujah. That is why it's important to know the place of the word. What is the place of scripture? Spirit of the Lord showed me a very wonderful text in, in Deuteronomy 33 verses 4. Because some of you must understand, what is our true inheritance? What is your true inheritance? When we talk about true inheritance, some people think of Lamborghinis and Mercedes-Benzes and a very nice house on a hill. And oh, well, even those who don't know God have that. The Bible says, Moses commanded us a law, even, comma, the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. In other words, Moses gave us a law, which was the inheritance, not an inheritance. The inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. In other words, the oracles that came out of Moses was the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. What is our true inheritance? Our true inheritance is this. Scripture. It's the word of God. Oh, that is what he left us. Jesus is the word of God and he dwells in you through faith. You have the word. That's your true inheritance. Inheritance, I said, it's not a nice mansion somewhere in a very posh place. That people who have those things and they're committing suicide tomorrow morning. They're broken. They're broken. They don't want to live tomorrow to see next week. This is our inheritance. When Jesus came to this world, he came with that understanding. He came with an understanding. He came with an understanding. He appreciated the process. And even though he was 100% God and 100% man, he had to go through the process of preparation and the child grew. Wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. This was not a process Jesus would skip. This was not a maturation. Even as the seed of God, he would skip. Now, if the seed of God can't skip this, you can't skip it. And you think you're just going to go, they call them mountain to pulpit. Preachers. Oh, they're filled with the mountain. God tells him, I've sent you to start a church and I'll fill it. And straight from the mountain. Guy goes on the pulpit and says, the Lord sent me. There has to be a process. There has to be a preparation. There has to be an incubation period. You have to be in a womb first, even as you carry a womb. 
And that's the dichotomy. If my word abides in you and you abide in me, you're in the womb of the word, but you're also carrying the word in your womb, your spiritual womb. The fish is in the water, the water is in the fish. Who said that? Job? Who am I? A fish or what? A whale of water. Did he say that? What am I? He said. Yes, the Lord, what am I? So, because some of you are in the womb, you are in some sort of incubation. Things are stagnant. They're not stagnant because there are demons disturbing you. No. By no means. There's that thing. And the child grew. And the child grew. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. From the age 12, you remember when they had forgotten him? Eh? From that age 12, we never hear anything except he grew in wisdom and in stature until the time of his ministry. That's when we see this man coming up. 30 years and then he starts his ministry. Nobody explains what happens except the time we saw him in the temple at the rites of passage when he was 12 in that consecration of maturity because in Jewish culture 12 there's a rites of passage that introduces them to adulthood. But from then on we don't see anything of the Son of God. And I told people if Jesus went through it I don't care how anointed your daughter is pastor. I don't care how prophetic your son is you will kill them. You will kill them. There are men I know who are going to kill their children. Oh, because they are gifted. And they appoint them in places they are not mature for. And you can see this kid is going to limp off the altar. Because he has not been tried. He's been moving under the shadow of his father. You see, there's a difference between being a continuation of a work that started and being a pioneer of something. You see, some of us, we started from scratch, so we know what it means. We know what it's like to put two chairs. I borrowed money to start Fanero. So I know what it's like to start a journey. Now, people who find works moving, they take these things light because they don't know. They really don't know. They just find a flame that is, you know, a glow and, and a wind that is flowing. And like locusts, they fall into that wind. And they think that because they can flap their wings a bit in a certain direction, they have an opinion. They have an opinion. And let me tell you, some of you, you must know exactly where you are spiritually. That's why there are some people, once they disconnect from something, they are buried. Why? Because they assume that the winds that carried them, the cloud under which they were covered, they assume that they had matured enough to also earn their place. And you examine this person and you see there is a process. I'm not telling you this to make you feel bad. In there, I'm speaking in love. I'm trying to help some of you. Because I've seen many of our people make those simple mistakes. Now my child, or my children, biological, they will see this and assume that it just happened. You understand what I'm saying? They are positional. They must earn their place spiritually. And as a father, I must put them through that process.
to make them understand that they're not going to have things easy because they're my children. They're not going to have privilege and advantage because they're my children. They have to find their own God. If they don't find their own God, it's up to them. Because the mantle of Fanero is not tied to my biological children or anybody related to me. No. The blood connection is different from the man of the spirit. I'm another man spiritually. I don't own myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they have to earn their place. They have to earn their place. So in these maturations, there are incubations that, like you'll see an egg under incubation. Huh? There is function in there. There is life. There is a heart beating. But there's no activity. There's no activity outside. And somebody can get frustrated. Things are not moving. Things are not moving. And then you roll yourself and break before you're supposed to break out. Or start to look for voices to break you before the time of your, the full term of gestation. Because you're excited to fly. You want this thing to come out at any cost. It must happen. Oh, I die. Push, pray until something happens. Whether it's the will of God or not, pray until something happens. And that's why we go. But let me tell you something. At the end of the day, as you are incubating, you'll also have to go through a process of incubation. You're going to be tested. If you find a father, it will be harder for you. A true father. Instructors miss it a bit. But when you find a true father, they will try you. They will stretch you. They will try you. And if you're immature, you're not yet dealt with, you know, you look at a young man or a young woman, for example, who as a father, you realize if you give attention, they're going to kill them because they're insecure, they're emotionally unstable, their heart cannot take persecution. And as a father, you look at that person and know, if I put my eyes on this person right now, the wolves around them will kill them. So as a father, the Spirit tells you, ignore them. Because it's the only way you'll protect them. And this human being has a problem. Why doesn't he answer my text message? Why does he ignore me? And sometimes they're not ignoring you because they don't love you. But they're ignoring you because if they turn their eyes, the wolves around you will kill you when they realize that Joseph, you're under some sort of favor. It's wisdom to give you the colored coat, not in their presence. Because the man that did it, you know how it ended. It was not the only way a man would have to go to Egypt. Some people think it was the only way. He had to go through a pit being sold by these guys and then given to Potiphar and he has to go through the palace. No, no, it's not written in stone that Joseph had to go through all of that to get to the palace. There could have been another way. But there was a man who was not wiser. He shouldn't have given this coat of many colors in the presence of all these boys to see. Sibling rivalry was stirring them to hate their own brother. Even if he had not given him that coat or showed him favor, there was still a way for the destiny of Joseph to find him in Egypt, governor. It was already ordained by God, whether he received a colored coat or not. But wisdom, 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 so I've just given you an example. And then there are those who you will attend to. 
Not because they are loved more than the one you know it. No. But you are tending to them because they are broken spirits. They are wandering spirits. They are too unstable. Is one you'll ignore and they are stable enough to take it. And there is one you look away and because they are wandering spirits. You know the people who are called wandering spirits? How do you know you're wandering spirit? Can I give you one clue? Your spirit is open to everyone for ministry. That's how you know you're a wanderer. Some of you, everybody can minister to you. Anything on YouTube. Any new thing. Jude 1.13. He calls them raging waves of the sea forming out of their own shame, wandering stars. For you, everybody can teach you. You can't even differentiate languages. You can't tell voices. You can't know that this is my father talking. This is an instructor. This is a source. This is a resource. You take all of them as the same. You move church to church. YouTube teacher to YouTube teacher. Book to book. Because you, your spirit can't settle under one. And you feel all of them are speaking the same thing, but there's somebody not speaking what you want them to speak. Darling, listen to me. There are voices one under intubation is not supposed to hear. There are things God will shield you from, not because he don't want you to hear, but they're not yet time for you to hear. You're still under intubation. You just need certain voices to undergird you first, to understand him as he is God. Because many people don't know that Satan's biggest issue with the church, you and I, the core attack is identity. If you are the son of God. Some of you think, oh, Satan has attacked my stomach. Oh, he has attacked my kidneys. Oh, he has attacked my family. He has attacked my children. No, go back to look. If you be a son of God, that's his issue. If you be, he's looking after identity. That's the core attack. And if you study scripture, there are three things you see in this core of identity that he is trying to look at to test you. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember I told us that there's a place called the wilderness experience. That's a womb. Where God teaches you. Two, he kills you. Three, he tries you into your maturation. He allows certain tests to come to grow you. He can bring a boss with a very nasty attitude. Because he wants to see, can you handle that pressure? If they abused you, would you turn and punch them? Because if you do, then you're not ready to handle 300,000 people. Because all of those are attitudes, mindsets, characters. And I've seen men disqualified only on that. They punched whom they were not supposed to punch. But they cannot tell the correlation because it's a butterfly effect. They can't tell how the flapping of the wings of a butterfly in Brazil can affect a tornado in Czech Republic. They don't see the correlation. But I'm saying if you can't do that, you're not ready. If you can talk to your mother like that, how can you submit to a man? If you can answer your biological father like that, how can you raise a son? And I don't know how to help this woman juxtapose it to help her understand. You don't have a demon. There is nothing wrong with you. You just need to understand that certain things have to be killed if you're going to become a wife. And you see, if 
Because these are the things Satan tested Jesus on. They ought to be the most important tests. That's what I think. There were three. One, he tested him on the liberties of his gifts to burst the constraints of maturation. The liberties of your gift will be tested against the restraint you're supposed to have because you're mature. Turn these stones into bread. I remember our earlier years of the anointing. When we could wave hands and we started doing it because we could. And I remember I had a group of guys, there was one of the guys we used to move with, he used to say, let's go show them power. So we go for conferences to show them power. Then we reach there. The guy says, everybody put up your hands in the heavens. So put up their hands. There's power of the Holy Ghost and everybody's out. And you sit back in the car, guy said, did you see what just happened? <laughs> did you see what just happened? So remember one of those days, they entered the room, demonstrated power. And in my spirit, I said, they have seen, but I'm anointed. Oh God. So I sit back in the car, gently but sternly, my Lord comes to me and tells me, you're foolish. Sorry? He repeated again and saying, you're foolish. He told me every miracle I ever did was for a purpose of a higher law. Instruct men in the knowledge of the person of the Father. I never did things just to show that has gifted. Look at how foolish you are. The whole house is under the power of God because my spirit is gentle to respond to you. But you just turn stones into bread. <sighs> Astrid. Oh, man of God! Why are you coming back? Come back next time. But in your heart, you're like, oh my God, I wish you guys know. I'm in trouble with a man up there. You understand? I just messed up. That day about, I said I'll never turn stones into bread. In other words, I'll never demonstrate power because I know I can't. Oh, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I know it. I can do things here and some of you run away. But now the maturity of God has taught me to restrain myself to purpose. So I abuse not the gift because it's without repentance. All things are lawful. I have access to them. But the expedience. Is it important? And I learned that too. And now there's a young man who says, I'm going to demonstrate power. Two, he was tried on, in the realms of glory and power you will be tested to see how you handle power and glory. Bow to me. Look at these kingdoms and all their wealth, their glory. I shall give them to you. How do you respond to power? Now I'm not talking about the other anointing, turning stones into bread. I'm talking about power as the world sees it. Positional power. 
there are people I can call and say, why are this much man on my account? And they won't ask me why. Because I'm Apostle Grace. How do I use that? Who here have I ever called and tell them, send me this man on my account? No hand can go up. You understand what I'm saying? But there are people who, because of that power, can break protocol. Number three, the privileges, the advantages, or the immunities of sonship fly off this cliff. For he said he will send his angels charge over you. And every time the Lord Jesus is tempted, he answers with his inheritance, the word. He tells them it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. So I told, yes, answer with the word. But what does that mean? Because that was his true inheritance. He understood the place of inheritance. He answered through the word. He's trying to show Satan, I have a greater inheritance than anything you're trying to offer me. Who has understood it? Hmm. Who has understood it? And he says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, so are they the sons of God. The word there is the mature sons of God. In other words, it takes a certain maturity to be led by God. The Greek word there for led is ago. And ago means to lead by laying hold of, to influence, to impel, to move, to prompt, to induce as one with a womb. God to cause you to bring forth as he wills when you were younger you went wherever you wanted when you're older you'll stretch your hands and another man shall cuddle you or guard thee and carry you where you would not it's amazing how as we mature our liberties submit more to be taken places where our will does not desire. And God says, that's maturity. I thought that was freedom because we misunderstood liberty. We can never experience true freedom or liberty without total submission to the will and leading the person of the Holy Spirit. To a point where it's no longer what I want, it's what he impels and prompts. And I'm ready to do it at any cost anyway. If the spirit of the ruler rises against you, the Bible says, do not leave your place for yielding pacifieth offense. You have a very nasty leader in choir. And God says, I am going to mature you by her madness. And somebody says, no, I cannot take this. I cannot take this. I cannot, how, how I cannot take this. And then the Bible says, you have offended because you have left your place. You can leave your positioning by carrying offense in the time where you should understand. Maybe God sent this man because there were things he wanted to do in me. He sent this kind of woman not to show me who she was, but to show me who I was. Are you following what I'm saying? He positioned me here because he knew what I needed to grow. He knew the kind of people, they might be funny, they might be you know, indifferent, but why did he send me to this company? God says, no, I was trying to get some character in you. 
I wanted to get something working in you. We are incubating. It's a process. It's hard. It's painful. It's restraining because your hands and feet are all under this shell. You cannot express yourself and there are those times even when you have a mouth to answer, you say keep quiet for the sake of your vow with me. It's like I remember in those days when COVID fell. You remember COVID? And then churches started opening and I was tempted to open. I, te- I was tempted. I said, I'm going to open. I'm going to open these guys. I'm going to these guys. Take us for granted. The church of Jesus Christ can be closed. <laughs> Meanwhile, on YouTube, we are growing. In fact, we tripled on YouTube in COVID. The giving tripled in COVID. Like everything was just up there. And there was a seat 500. Then, you know, I saw some pastors who opened and, you know, they rebelled. And then one time I'm saying, God, you know, I'm crazy enough to open. You know, you know, we can go anywhere. Do we go? And I read this portion of scripture. Obey the king for the sake of your vows with God. I called my pastor. I told him, forget about it. I'm not opening. Of course, some people were saying, coward, coward. No, I was not a coward. Bible says, obey the king for the sake of your vows with God. There are vows that I have with God, more than just what I read, that will cause me to do certain things. Many such things are maturing me. The qualification for me to access what is already mine, but I cannot get it until I earn a certain maturity with God. Now, I want to pray with you, but the way I want to pray with you is this. There's somebody here, you're not stuck because you're in a bad location. You're not stuck because you're a bad man. You're not stuck because you're a bad woman. You're not stuck because you have a small education background or no education background. You're not stuck because you're an African. You're not stuck because there's somebody who stood in your way. You're simply stuck because you have not matured into the thing God has prepared for you by Christ, which is already actually waiting for you. Because he wants your thoughts, your understanding, and your speech to change. Open your mouth and speak to Jesus. Open your mouth and speak to Jesus. Speak to Jesus. Tell him, God, grow me. This is not the kind of someone where you're like, ha, I think they're talking about Pastor Peter. No. This is a thing where you put a light on yourself. Because I came to speak to you. Open your mouth and speak to Jesus. Speak to Jesus. Where you need to repent, say, Lord, I'm sorry. There's somebody here, you're stuck because of how you talk to your mother. You're stuck because of how you talk to your father. You're stuck because of how you address your boss. You're stuck because of how you view your spiritual authority. The things you say about your leaders. 
You're stuck because you take people for granted and things for granted. You're stuck because you don't know and you don't know that you don't know. And the only way to pray is to ask God to help you know what you thought you knew but don't know. Because if you know the truth, the truth makes you free. It expresses that freedom of a man who has harnessed it, who has kept it in his womb. You cannot be held back by your own character. There's somebody here, you just need to discipline yourself into the life of prayer that agrees with the calling of God on your life. Some of you don't know that even though many things are ready, there's a person, it's just that you failed to reconcile your prayer life with the demand of God on your life. And you just need to discipline yourself because God for many years has told you, come and pray, pray, pray. I need you in prayer. But you find ways of praying to please men. You're running out of time. Whatever it is, just talk to God. You tell me, you mow me, you use me, feel me, cause I gave my life to the Lord's Call me, you guide me, you lead me, you walk beside me, cause I get a life to God is moving somebody today. I can tell those days. I see something unusual this evening. And there's somebody you've gone through levels of consecration in just one service. This one service. You're leaping in the name of Jesus. You're leaping. Allow me to pray for you. Spirit of a sovereign Lord, touch, touch, feel, consecrate. There's somebody going through some separation. You've been in a period where you just felt like you need to be praying and fasting and you found yourself more and more locking yourself up in isolation because you've just felt like something is compelling you to seek God, to pray, to separate yourself. You've been feeling like something is coming up. You didn't have a name for it, but you knew that God is preparing something and you quite didn't know. For those of you who are listening to me, I feel the instruction to tell you that this sermon today has thrown some people into the next dimensions of the spirit receive it in jesus name 
there's a prophet going to see like you're supposed to see holy spirit touch them now you're going to see like you're supposed to see there's a prophet you, you've been struggling to see only because you've not been seeing right but god gives you clarity of vision in the name of jesus there's an apostle you've been troubled in your spirit concerning your ministry today the answer has come the words you have spoken to god have revived your altar there's a pastor who was tired you've been feeling tired because things are not moving but tonight the few words that have been spoken have aligned you there's somebody your business has been stuck for years nothing has been moving but God is resurrecting he's resuscitating he's rejuvenating he's bringing life there's a household there's a lady who has almost given up on her marriage because she has spoken to this man times without number and she feels like she's not getting through but tonight God has given you the answer in the name of Jesus I see promotions I see progress I see advantage I see increase I see the next level of influence and affluence and power to the glory of God give him a mighty hand of praise come on clap for Jesus thank you Lord if you're here and in these words you've heard you're saying apostle grace i want to have a relationship with jesus i want to receive him as my lord and savior i want to be born again just repeat these words after me say lord jesus i thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory today i receive you as lord and savior of my life i'm born again amen this sermon has been brought to you by Fenero ministries international for more information contact us on telephone number plus 256 200 499 400 or email us at info at you can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org follow us on our social media platforms on facebook instagram and twitter subscribe to our youtube channel at Fenero ministries international or better still feel free to join us every thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.